Guys, you know what I've really been loving and more so what I've not been loving? It's my big bulky blender. The thing is a pain in the butt to get out, find a cord, get all the components ready to go, and I hardly ever end up using it. But I've really been loving the Blendjet 2 portable blender. It makes things so easy and convenient. Because it's Blendjet 2 is portable, I can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. You know what? I have been using it for smoothies daily, and it's small enough to fit in your cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. I have one too. And the Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Well, that's great because I love a good charger, but best of all, the Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and we're good to go. What more can you want? Well, I can tell you what more you can want. You can pick all these beautiful, fun colors. I had a really hard time trying to pick mine and I almost went with the leopard, but I ended up with the beautiful lavender, which is so perfect for spring. It's like an accessory. I went with hot pink myself, but what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use the promo code BTMM12, Book Talk Made Me 12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use your code BTMM12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all your favorite books from Book Talk. Or Bookstagram, because really, who knows what the fate of TikTok is these days. Goodness. I'm Caitlin, joined by my fabulous co-hosts, Bridget and Hilda. Hi. And we're here today to talk about a book that so many of you have been asking for. It is really kind of our gateway drug into back into reading during the pandemic. I think it was like everyone's book that got them back hooked into reading. That's right. We're talking about the queen, SJM, Sarah J. Mass's beautiful series, A Court of Thorns Thorns and Roses. roses. (laughs) For a second. (laughs) How do you forget the Bible of our world? (laughs) Because I just had a blank on this book too right before we hit record and I was like, A Court of Mist and Fury. And I was like, Mist and Fury, Mist and Fury. That's the next one. And then I was like, A Court of, and my brain's like, Mist and Fury. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) That's not, that's not the one. But we're here to talk about her beautiful book, A Court of Thorns and Roses. I don't know why I'm getting so tripped up on it. So this is just not a gateway drug, but I would like to think that it's also the foundation of our podcast and friend group. Yeah, it is. But how is it? It took us an entire year to get to it. Well, I mean, I can't explain it, but the queen works in mysterious ways. The Seuss works in mysterious (laughs) ways. I'll hate the Seuss. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I started reading this book. I had heard about it in a separate podcast. I don't know if there's any Young House lovers out there, but Young House Love, Sherry, talked about this sexy fairy book, and she'd been telling us about how it was so good. Then she talked about another book. She's like, kind of sexy fairy book, Throne of Glass. I may actually like that one more. And during the pandemic, you know, it's a lockdown. There's not a whole lot going on. I was like, you know what? Let me check out this sexy fairy book. My library's got it for free. I have the digital version of a library card, and I downloaded it, and it was so good. And then I'm telling Bridget, Bridget. 
you need to read this book. It's sexy fairy book. I didn't think it was my jam, but it is my jam. And I think this would be your jam. She said fairy and I was like, Tinkerbell? I know. It's a tough sell. But it's sell. not. But it's yeah, not. This was before like everybody knew what high fae was. This is like the very beginning of it where, you know, people that were reading were already into the books, but the rest of the universe was kind of still like creeping their way in. So they heard about it. Eventually, I gave in, read it. It was worth it. It was worth it. And then, of course, you stumble into Throne of Glass. Then you stumble into From Blood and Ash. And this is, again, like I said, your gateway drug into the romance fantasy series. The pot of book talk. The pot of book talk. Yes. I will say book talk like varies. There's two different routes. You go Akatar into fantasy and then into like smut land and then you go or you go Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover, yeah. And then into whatever the fuck Everly <laughs> those people read because I don't know because I'm not like a Colleen Hoover girl. I read a couple from like my neighborhood book club. They were okay. You know, in your feels a little bit more than I think I expected. Because I'm like, where's the smut? Where's the good stuff? It was just a letdown when I read them. I tried three different. Every author that I read, if I didn't like the first book, I give them a a second chance. And then maybe a third chance if they're really hyped up. And I tried three separate books. They were were good. Not amazing. They're all right. I didn't get the hype. Uh, Speaking of... Things that blew my mind in books worth I the thought hype. you were going to say, thinking of hype. Speaking of hype. <laughs> no, but I just heard on TikTok, because, you know, you've got your Akatar girls, you've got your Colleen Hoover girls, and then you've got your old school Jody. Jody. Pico. Yeah, I say Picolt. And then she's like, hi, it's Jody Pico, like Pico de Gallo. Oh. And I'm like, what? We're saying Pico? This is how she says her last name? This is truly how she says her last name. So the there's fucking any- English language, man. It's Jody all extra Picoult. letters. It's hard enough to speak regularly. Don't add this shit into me. Like, I'm just saying, you know, we are a group of gals who can't say anything right. But this one I felt very firmly on solid ground that I had this right. So if anyone else had their mind blown that it's Jody Pico, not Jody Picolt, uh, join me. Anywho, let's get into A Court of Thorns and Roses. I think it goes without saying, I freaking love this series. I love it. And I will admit, I was super nervous. I haven't reread this since the first time I read it. And you know, yeah, haven't read it. You I don't really have that weird what? book addiction that Bridget and I do that when it's we bad. really like something, we will reread it like five, six times after each other. Um, no, I read it once. Move on. Yeah, and no. it's in here. Like it's it's up. So you're disciplined. And I, I was so nervous because I'm like, oh, am I still going to love it as much as I loved it the first time? Like, what if I don't love it as much? Maybe what if it was like a time and place situation? And now I'm like, oh, no, I don't really love it as much. But you know what? Fears aside, guys, because I freaking loved it again. So that was my concern picking it up after a year and a half to two years after reading it the first time. The first time I read it, put it down, finished the series, proceeded to pick it right back up the next day and started over from the beginning. And I think I read it a third time after that. And then I was telling you guys, because we had to reread it for the podcast, I was like, I'm I'm afraid to start it. You're like, what? No, it's still great. And I was like, but what? Because I've read so many books since then. And this was the first book that I started in book talk world. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've read so many books since then. Like, what if it does not like stand up to the hype? Like you were saying. So I felt you, but yeah, no, this my, is like my fourth read. <laughs> and it does, biggest, guys. It does. I feel like this is like Harry Potter. Like it's still good. You can reread it a hundred times and it's still going to hit. My biggest worry was, you know, I know how it ends so far, obviously, because I've read mm-hmm. all the books that, and it's the same kind of fear that I have with the television series. I fear like I'm going to hate season one. I fear like I'm going to hate the first book because when I read it, obviously I liked Tamlin, rooting for Tamlin. Now I know I'm like, fuck that guy do i really have to sit through a full book of this 
But I realized I don't, I realized I could deal with it. Yep. I have thoughts about Tamlin, Mr. Tampon over here. And, you know, I've gone through the waves with this one. I loved him, fucking hated him, decided he was a piece of shit, never worth my time. And then I was like, you know what? I see what she saw. We all see what we all saw. Yeah. Yeah. And like like, when they talk, he has red flags, obviously, but I see the heart deep down that stone heart. I see it. When they talk about a Tamlin redemption arc, this is the first time when I read book one that I was like, oh, maybe I would be interested in that. I'd be interested. I I also would be interested in a Tamlin redemption arc, which don't worry, guys, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to all our thoughts and feelings on Mr. Tam and Tam Tamlin. Also, really quick, there Mm -hmm. was some artist on Instagram. The TikTok dude? (laughs) Just laughing the way you said it. Weird. An artist. The high noon has been kicking in because I have been celebrating because today is Thursday, March 30th, and it's been a glorious day for American justice and (laughs) the Disney Corporation, and I will leave it at that. So anyways, there was a really good drawing of Tamlin where he looked hottie, hot, hot, and we were Mm -hmm. like, Daddy Tam, I get it now. I get why I was stupid. Oh, I I really thought you were going to talk about that TikTok where the guy with the blonde hair is like dancing and everyone was like, this is what she saw. No, no, no. I'm talking about that artwork. Summer solstice. I need to find that artwork of Daddy Tam where you and I were both like, We'll put that up on our Instagram for you guys to be able to see. And you're like, Daddy? Yes. Yes, indeed. Like, I got it, Farah. I I, could be stupid too. Yep. We We could all be stupid when we're living in a town. With literally nothing. This poor provincial town. And then you get thrown into spring court with a beast of a man who wants to take care of you. There goes I get the it. With his bread, like always. Mm-hmm. With that being said, if you did not know. Every morning just the same. Since the morning that we came. And then I don't know any more words. <laughs> to this poor provincial town. Good morning, town. Belle. <laughs> This book is a retelling of Beating the Beast. Thank you, Caitlin and Hilda, for that <laughs> lovely, lovely song Sorry. edition. I have never loved Disney more than I have today. You know, I was going to say, it's usually I'm the Disney lover here. and Oh, it's me. I, it's nice to have someone aboard, you know? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, welcome. Yes. So this is a... Somewhat inspired retelling of Beauty and the Beast, and you can kind of see that when they get to Spring Court and the castle, and there's some enchantments there because it's magic, of course. That's it was Neural Art V, Neural underscore Art underscore V, who did the hot picture of Daddy Tamlin. All right, we'll make sure Let's that goes up on him, Daddy we'll Tamlin, because I still don't post love it. him that much to be calling well, him. Well, the picture okay, in this book, Daddy Tamlin in. Just book work, just book one, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Like, just go back to that isolated time period. You're like, Daddy Tam. Yeah. A little bit? Okay. Not that much. Oh, we should probably get our spoilers out of the way because you know, even well, though we're focusing on the first us. book, <laughs> this is the very late spoiler <laughs> to this. If you have not read the rest of the series, Wait, this stop. is a perfect time for a reverse reverse. Yeah, reverse. Yes. So if you've not read this book or you don't want to be spoiled in the series, we're going to try to contain each book that we go through to our thoughts and feelings from that book and the book prior. So book two will be our thoughts and feelings on book two that may you know, have touch points on book one. Book three may cover one, two, and three. But we're going to try to not go up. We'll try to just bring any points from the books prior. 
Correct. But I promise However, nothing because you never know. From this often, point going forward, because we already screwed it up. I was yeah. about to say, we often accidentally just drop comments here and there about thoughts and feelings on things on the current book that, you, you know what I'm trying to say. You know what just, we know. I feel like at this point, beware. <laughs> at this point, everyone, I feel like has heard of this book, has read this book, and you've probably um, maybe read it multiple times at, at this point. So without further ado, the way we're going to break this one up, normally we take you guys through a big, a, you know, 10-minute recap to set the stage, but today we're going to give you a 10-minute recap just to get you guys in the right headspace, remember where we are. Again, we presume a lot of you have already read this book, <laughs> considering we've had lots of requests for it. And then we're going to break it down to four big events that we feel happened in this book. And then through each event, we'll give you our thoughts and feelings and takes on each one. So, of course, if you have the same thoughts and feelings, we'd love to communicate with you on Instagram. You can hop into our DMs where you can find one of us lurking there at the ready at any point in time, ready to discuss anything from cats to books to hockey. You got it. We've got you. So two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Someone's always there. 11.55 a.m. We're there. We got you. We got you. All right. So let's kick us off. I will kick us off with your 10-minute recap. Let me get a sip of wine first. Really, you know, set the stage, pretending this is is the wine that Feyre gets drunk at during summer core or summer solstice, you know? Callan. Yeah. No. Hello. It was both. Was it the spring equinox or was it summer? No, it was summer. It was the summer solstice. All right, guys. So this book takes place in a magical world. We first meet Feyre, our main female character. She's hunting in the woods because her family's starving. We get the impression. It was very Hunger Games in the beginning. Very Katniss, yep. Katniss Everdeen Mm -hmm. with her bow and arrow. So in the process of hunting, she sees a doe, but she also sees a a huge (laughs) female deer. Ray. (laughs) A job of golden sun. Here, unhinged. <laughs> unhinged today. I call myself Faye, the girl we call Faye Raw. <laughs> the remix. <laughs> Love it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so um, she sees a huge wolf going after the deer, the doe that she had her eye on. And the wolf attacks the doe. And in order to, or the deer, what are we calling it now? The deer. The wolf attacks the deer, and in order to preserve her food for her family because she knows she's starving, she's like, I got to take this wolf out. He's huge. Maybe he's fae because we kind of know that this is some kind of magical existence exists, but we haven't really come across it, and neither has she in a while. Uh, So she's a little concerned. Um, She ends up killing it. It seems to be fine. She skins it, takes the meat, brings it back home to feed her starving family. Now, this sets off a chain of events because that wolf, of course, was an actual fae person, which is kind of sad considering she, like, skinned it, like, it's pelt off, you know what I mean? Like, anywho. You know, as I was reading it and then I started wondering, I was like, wait, did she eat it? Because I couldn't remember it and I had to go back and double check. I was like, she didn't eat this wolf wolf meat. No, I think she left it there. Yeah, she left the carcass there and she took the the pelt. Yeah, she took it first. I know. Hey, Tams. Find your (sighs) bloody carcass friend. I know. Poor Do you think Andres. it transforms back Poor into Poor one out a- for Andres. That's what that's what this wolf's fade. I was wondering too. I was like, do they transform back into human form like when I she know. walks away after I a certain that time? Too. Oh, without their skin? Yeah. It would be like the bodies exhibit. Wow. Yes. Exactly. Just laying there in the snow, preserved. Ooh. Ooh. The things we think about during a reread. <laughs> uh, Brought so- to you by High Noon. <laughs> yeah. Tequila Two high noons and wine. 
High noon. We are open to sponsorship. Anyway. Sponsor so us. <laughs> this kicks off a chain of events. Of course, he's magically connected and – a fae comes back to her family's cottage, knocking down the doors, and Demi demands payment for a life for a life, so to speak. So because she killed this fae, uh, he claims her to go back to Perinthia, which is Perinthian? Perinthian. Perinthian. Perinthian, which is the realm of the fae, which has been uh, kind of blocked off from the human world by some magical border. But of course, there's a little hole in the wall. We'll get to that. So this man of a beast that comes to claim her, his name is Tamlin. He takes her back across the wall. And when she awakes the next day, she's pleasantly surprised to see that she's not in a dungeon. She's being held in a castle. And it's beautiful. And there's spring. And there's roses and a garden. She's like, well, this this is unexpected. And the entire time she's there, although she's treated well, although somewhat skeptically well, um, because, of course, she did just murder their friend. She is desperate to get back to her family. She wants to make sure that they're well taken care of. She wants to make sure, you know, she knows that she was the sole provider for them. So her being gone makes her worry, like, how are they going to survive? How are they going to live their lives? These were big, dumb idiots, and they couldn't figure out how to do anything without me. So as she spends more time there, um, Tamlin, who is aloof and really doesn't want to interact too much they their their walls start to crumble toward each other and they start to have a friendship which eventually leads to a budding romance now because he loves her so much he ends up having to send her away now during this time there is some kind of magical blight is what they're calling it where magic's acting funky it's acting weird and it's a dangerous time for not just the fae but for humans especially in the fae world and after some events happen that are concerning that Feyre overhears, Tamlin makes the decision that she cannot stay here any longer. She has to go back to her family. She has to go back to the mortal side of the wall because that's where she's most protected because he's afraid he can't protect her. Now, of course, this is they have- after they have sexy time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what I was going to say. Of course, they've fallen for each other at this point. He tells her he loves her and she's just like, yeah, I know. But, you know, she doesn't really say it back. So- she He sends her back across the wall where she is su- very surprised to find out her family is doing quite well. So she finds out that Tamlin has bewitched or glamoured her family into believing that a magical beast didn't just steal her from the cottage in the middle of the night. That their great aunt Ripley called for her to care for her in her old age. And in doing so, Feyre has returned the heir of Ripley's wealth. And... Tamlin had been caring for her entire family the entire time, so they regained their wealth, they've regained their status, and they've almost never really been better. Now, Feyre's dad and sister, oldest, second oldest sister, um, Elaine, uh, still believe the illusion, but Feyre's oldest sister, Nesta, is like, yeah, no, that shit did not work on me. I saw that that was a beast. I know we have no Aunt Ripley. I know you got hauled off in the middle of the night, and everyone else thought I was crazy for even bringing it up. So we know that Glamour does not work on her. She knew something was up. She knew Ta- um, Pharaoh was in the Fae world. And I was surprised to see her back. I love that she was like, you think my that could work against my iron will? Okay, Nesta, calm down, girl. She's spicy, even in book one. That's why we love her. <clears throat> uh, but so we- that's a conversation for book four. That's a conversation for book four, yeah. So It's all about perspective. This entire time, Feyre is remorseful that she did not tell Tamlin she loves him back. She should have told him. She feels terrible knowing that the man she does love is in terrible danger and she really should go back to help him. 
So she forms a plan with Nesta and Nesta's like, yeah, you should go back. I'll take care of these hooligans over here and you go back and save your mans. So Thera takes off with the family horse, goes back across the magical border only to find a once bustling beautiful castle with no one there. There is not a soul there. She cannot find anyone, not Tamlin, not Lucian, her friend that she had met, not Alice that was helping her the whole time she was there. She couldn't find anyone. The castle's in disarray. There's blood everywhere. She can tell that there was a brawl. And she's like, it's only been like, what, a couple weeks since I just left? A couple days at that? It was probably weeks. It was weeks. Yeah, weeks. Okay. A month at most. A month, right. Like not a crazy amount of weeks, but you know, some time has passed. Um, She can tell that something has, something terrible has happened here, which confirms her right suspicions that Tamlin was indeed in danger and she was right to come back. So as she's snooping around the castle, trying to get information on where they are, she runs into Alice, her lady's maid. Her lady's maid is there. She proceeds to tell her, yeah, some shit did grow down and you're an idiot for coming back. And what she tells her is the magical blight that was happening to them and all around is related to this one of the highest generals from a warring nation. And she has taken over the land of Perinthia and Tamlin was basically one of her last conquests. And Tamlin had pissed her off a while ago when she tried to marry him and she cursed him by giving him an oddly specific time frame. It was like seven times seven years. I'm like, okay, just call it 49. Isn't that what that is? Or 50. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why? Just five times ten years? Like, say that. Uh, anyway, oddly specific time she cursed him for. It was 49, her. it was seven times seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so she was, uh, you know, oddly specific time because she got snubbed when she asked for Tamlin to come back with her to her lair under the mountain and cursed Tamlin to have to find a human girl who hated him. Check. That was Farah. Who hated fairies also with all of her heart. Blindly hated them. Killed one of them, also Farah, who killed Andres, the wolfman, and have this woman fall in love with him and for her to tell him that she loves him with every fiber of his being. That would break the curse. Now we know, Alice says, you could have broken this curse. We had three days left in our time frame right before you left. And, you know, Farah's really kicking herself. She's like, damn it. All I had to say was I love you. Like, I know I love you. And I could have saved all these people. So she's feeling immense amounts of guilt for this. And she's like, I got to go, Alice. I got to go into the mountain. I got to help her. And Alice is like, you are a human. And a the rest of the world. Human. Yeah, a foolish human. And the rest of the world are Faye. And they couldn't even stop her. Like, what are you going to do against her? And so, you know, plucky Farah's like, but I got to try. And so she goes. Alice agrees to take her to where the mountain is. I can't go in with you, but I will pack you this little sack of food and under the mountain will go for you to complete your journey. Good luck. I did find her a little, like she was really heated about this. She's like, you idiot. All you had to say was I love you. Was that so hard to say I love you? Like she's really turned up about this because look what happened. I personally love Alice. I I do love love her. her. I do love her. I liked her a lot the first time I read it. Me too. This one I was like. I was like, oh, you're a lot spicier than I remember you being. Like, you know, I, I remember love you a, lecturing her, Farah. I love a handmaiden that's in cahoots. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I got you, girl. We see that a couple of times in some other fantasy romance books. I will tell you guys, like, my little issue now that I reread it is how Farah came upon all this knowledge. It's because she basically just word vomited everything out to her. Yeah. She spent all that time in summer court, and I feel like she could have done, gotten some of those tidbits. Spring court. Through spring court, cracked. Sorry. Yeah, we could have dropped some more hints. Maybe when she's in the library, like put an open book to be like, read about this time that has happened. I just feel like there's too much information that was given to her through Alice that she 
should have been SJM should have like wrote about it more in her like time in Supreme Court. So it could have been like a her as a uh oh moment versus like a oh shit. Oh yeah, I guess kind of. I was trying to figure out a little bit. I don't know. I just thought it was a cheap way out. Mm-hmm. I see this. I see this. First two times reading it, did not care. Third, fourth time, I was like, nah, now nah, I'm a little pissed. <laughs> Right. Well, they did have a curse on them, so they weren't able to s- explain this to her in full detail. Right. But I wanted Farah to be smart enough to figure it out instead of getting distracted Remember, by penises. Farrah's not supposed to – like, Farah can't even read. Yeah. So Yes, but that does not equate to intelligence because she no, does come off from not, a well-off family Yeah, but before not, everything happened. But it's not – I feel like her world me, has been flipped over a bunch of times, so she hasn't quite caught her bearings no matter where she is. To me – Vera was very like lost. Oh yeah. And clearly not just physically undernourished, but like mentally undernourished. So yes, we know her to be very capable, but I think when she got to the spring court, I don't think she necessarily had like the faculties to figure out what was going on without them being explicit, especially since she did have that prejudice against the fairies when she got there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. SJM also does a really good job about writing about mental health and struggles and stuff like that within her books without actually openly addressing it. So I think a lot of people resonate with these this series because they find themselves within one of her characters. Mm-hmm. Well said, ladies. Look at us. It's like we have a podcast or something. Oh my gosh. Like putting that English degree to work. <laughs> my criminal like justice degree. From a high noon. <laughs> yeah, pulling my poli sci degree. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Got you. So Alice takes Feyre under the mountain uh, or drops her off. And then she's like, good luck, kid. This cave. I can't tell you. She's like, you should know there's a curse. I can't actually tell you, but you need to listen which reading this again, I'm like, what is what the fuck? Like that is the vaguest fucking clue ever. Listen, like, I couldn't remember because she was like, because there's the second curse, and I was like, I couldn't remember. I was like, do we ever find out what this is? And obviously, when we got to the end, I was like, oh, I get it. So that's what you know. She says she has to do. So through the cave of wonders, she goes through almost immediately. She's captured and taken to the high general that has overtake overtook Perinthia in this land. Her name is Amarantha. She- she calls herself queen, so everyone else, I think, calls her queen at this point as well. Yes. She is a general self-appointed queen. That bitch. Yeah, for fuck real. This girl. Fuck this girl. So Amarantha sits atop a throne, and Feyre is floored to see – she's both relieved and floored when she finds Amarantha in the flo- flo- throne room. And next to Amarantha is Tamlin, just sitting there, unresponsive, not saying a word. Probably both shocked by her presence and fearful that she is now here, facing Amarantha's wrath. So Amarantha's like, oh, look at you, a human little pet. Well, I'm going to put you, because we're so bored under here, I'm going to have, give you, let's make a bargain. I'm going to have three little trials for you. And if you can say these trials, I'll let your little lover boy Tamlin out of this. Am I recapping that correctly? Basically is what the gist was? So, okay. it was a, of, oh, go ahead, she Hilda. was like, I'll let them, I'll let them go. But if you solve my riddle, at I'll any let time. you go at any time. I will let you go immediately and break the curse and yes. free everyone. So wasn't this a bargain, right? It was a bargain. Yeah. And kind and- of like when you're dealing with a genie, you have to be very careful with your wording to make sure you're coming out ahead on this deal. So, I was going to say the devil, but okay. Yeah, oh, okay. It works too. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to make sure you're very – so Feyre is very careful and trying to be mindful of how she's wording this bargain and understanding what Amaranth is 
proposing kind of realizes, well, I'm kind of fucked either way. I'm here already. So sure, we'll do this bargain. So Amarantha says, great, we have three trials for you coming up and you'll be doing each one on the full moon. So presumably she's got three months to do this. And Tamlin has not, then she's basically beaten the crap out of in front of everyone. Now, it should be worth noting here in this little recap here that everyone in Perinthia is under the mountain. If from all the different courts, the High Lords, their courts, everyone in this realm pretty much is under the mountain. So when Feyre's getting beating up and dragged through every, um, dragged through the cave out to meet Amarantha, it's in front of a massive crowd of people because they haven't had entertainment in a while and we just have psycho Amarantha over here. She wears a bone from her sister's ex-lover and his eyeball on her. Jurian. Jurian, yes. So this is why she was her um, deal with Tamlin or her curse on Tamlin was so important that she, uh, he found a human lover is because her sister was deceived by her human lover. So her sister fell in love with a human and the human betrayed the sister and ended up killing her. And Amarantha took basically took Durian, killed him, took a piece of his bone, his finger bone, and then took his eyeball to keep him with him, tethered to the to the world this with her. Plane, yeah. To this plane. And so she has an extra vengeance against humans because so, she thinks they're terrible. I do want to point out though that Amarantha's sister wasn't like some innocent belle of the ball. She was also a general fighting this war and kicking ass and oh, just so, and, the, and trying to kill the humans. Right. So, the war was to like a division of like who wants to keep human slaves and not, right? Yes. It was basically yeah. or is that a second war between humans and Fae. It was basically the civil war. Yeah, yeah. It was like a land battle and at the end of it. There were fae fa and, yeah. fa and humans on one side, just fae on the other side. Amarantha was on the side that wanted to kill and conquer the humans. Yeah, civil war. Um, yeah. <laughs> Keep them enslaved. Yeah. And that's why Feyre lives beyond the border. The wall. The wall, because that that's the outcome of the war. Mm -hmm. The slaves were able to pack up and take their shit down south, the Perinthian. Yep. Now, Feyre does end up completing all three of the missions, which we're going to get into in detail. That's one of our big events we'll talk to. She ends up completing the mission, but not without extreme risk. During the and last during the last trial, I keep saying mission, during the last trial, she is so badly injured and broken and her neck breaks. But before she can do that, she has this moment of realization where she realizes the riddle that Amarantha told her, you can end this at any time. I have the answer for it. it comes to her. And the answer was love. And so she's like, love, love. That was the answer. And she yells it out for this mass of people that are there. Because this, again, this is like the height of the entertainment under the mountain. There's nothing else going on. And so everyone's like, yes, she got the riddle. Amarantha, you told her you'd let her go. And she's like, um, I said I would let him go. I said nothing about you. And she ends up twisting or breaking somehow during the she skirmish her, she like snapped her spine yeah she's there we go I'm like she didn't break her neck but she snapped Feyre's spine and this is caused outrage outrage amongst everyone that is there um a skirmish breaks out there's a battle amaranth against gets what's coming to her i'm gonna put it that way she gets what's coming to her she's killed and Feyre lays there dying now in defeating amarantha she not only freed herself and tamlin which she thought but she also frees everyone under the mountain who is cursed or held to a curse and stuck under the mountain because these people could not live leave and to show their gratitude each of the high lords kind of comes over and just puts like a little hand and like a little 
Like an ember of an ember. There we go. An ember of their power kind of soaks into her, and Feyre comes back to life. But because of this high flux of power that comes into her, she not only comes back to life, but she comes back to life as a high Fey now. So she's like leveled up big time, and she was like, "Beyonce, let me upgrade (laughs) you." Yep. But also like, oh shit, did I just I just died right? And it was like, yeah, yeah, you did. But we brought you back, so good times. There was a lot to be traumatized by this book. Yep. As a person going through it, named mainly Farah. And so at the end, she ends up with Tamlin. She ends up going home. We also meet the all-important character, Resand. It took you so long to get to him. I so know. Long. I know. No. So it's important to note that the, while all those things are happening, we also have Amarantha's whore. Whore, yeah. Her consort no her whore no her whore whore. they literally call him amarantha's whore also for those of you who have not put two and two together this is also rice sand what or rice reese right or as bridget calls him rice i don't call him rice i call him rye sand yeah i was like that's not right either oh okay there's reese (laughs) sand rye sand like rye like a bread of rye is sand. Oh. And Reese then the sand. audiobook said it completely different than all of us. They were like Reese and no, Reese on. And yeah. I was like, okay, what was it? They the said it weird. Because I was like, it's was Reese it Ann. The legit but, okay. audiobook or Alexa audiobook? Yeah, no, the legit audiobook. The legit audiobook, oh. yeah. Girl, I just wasted a full audio audible credit <laughs> I did on that. Too, I did. So we also have Resand, who is Amarantha's whore. whore. So she's kind of granted, he's granted special access, but he's also like a very feared high fey in his own right he's insanely powerful he's a high lord of the court of a court and so he's feared as well and um they have some interactions and some bargains are made so pharah ends up leaving under the mountain but she has a bargain with resand where now they have to come visit each other for one week every month Oh, in pity. exchange for him helping her. Yeah, because he did um, basically just not help dur- her. die during the trials. He healed her so she wouldn't die yeah. after yeah. her first trial. We'll get into that. Okay. Big event number three is just Daddy Resand. So we're going to talk all about him. <laughs> Daddy that's, is correct. That's all we have. So they end up leaving, and Tamlin says, Let's go home. And so home they go back to and the And they spring frolic court. off the spring court. Yeah. Frolic- I, you know, I think I promised 10 minutes. That felt a little long, but. We did our it's best, like isn't it? Now 20. you know, if you haven't read this in a while, those are the chain of events that happen in this book. It's when you read all four of them or you, you read the series and it's been a while, sometimes all the different pieces kind of mush up together. So now hopefully we reset the stage to reframe the conversation we're happening here. Something I do want to say off the top. There are some great other TikTok accounts, many TikTok accounts, where people are deep diving into the symbology, what happened here versus what happened there. There's conspiracy theories. So it is so fun to follow along with those things because this is an unfinished series. So rereading this a second time, you may pick up on these things. Why we love an unhinged theory, we don't have too many to share with you. So I'm just, say, I'm just also, coming to say. <laughs> we're not those gals. No, I right. love those gals. You all give me life. I'm just – However, we do have an episode separately where we do discuss popular unhinged theories and we get into our thoughts and feelings on it. So do not fret if that's what you came for. Just go look at that other episode because we're also there. I think we're going to do a part two because I'm telling you, there's so many different theories. and Because we'll be able to talk about 
Crescent City theories now that Bridget would have read the series that's out. So, so there's even more from the SJM universe because those are two unfinished series in her book. Okay, so let's but get this into is just like ground zero. We're yeah, yeah. we're setting the stage here so we stage can for you. do all of that nonsense later. All right, so big you event don't see number my, one. Like, aggressive hand waving. <laughs> yeah, it is aggressive. She's like, it's swatting this away. Get those unhinged theories out of here. Let's talk about some people. Let's talk about what happened, baby. Let's talk about what happened. So let's the talk first- about you and me. Let's talk about God. These high noons are hidden, man. I gotta say, no, it's not. It's like the excitement of finally talking about Akatar after having a podcast for an entire year when Earth this was up. the origin of our friendship. Is this a more musical episode? It, it could feels be. like it could be. It could be. All right. So big event number one. One of the big things that happen during this series that kind of changes the course of Feyre's life is that she's captured and taken to the spring court. So let's I got my Kindle. Let's go. <laughs> let's talk about that. So when we – again, we talked about it in the recap. She kills a wolf. The wolf, which she is – there's like some weirdness, some stillness. Like the wolf's looking at her. She's looking at the wolf. And she's like, you see me? I see you. Yeah. And we're as a reader, you're like, this is not just a normal wolf. And it does end up being Faye. And Feyre has an unappreciated family life where she is the sole provider, the youngest of three sisters and the sole provider for her family. Her dad, clearly in a depression of sorts from losing out there their big fortune. family fortune and then also being beat up by thugs. So like his knee is yeah, all so hobbled. Eight years before we meet Feyre, her mom was alive. You know, her family was well off. They lived in the state. They had all the things they could ever need. Her two older sisters were going through school and stuff like that. They had parties and, you know, all the things you see in Bridgerton basically is what her life was like. And then her mom passed away. Her dad fell into debt and people came, thugs came, beat him up, and he had to flee his home with his daughters into a shack basically. And the dad was depressed. He was disabled and he had no will to provide for his children so she ended up doing it as the youngest like elaine in my head is always the youngest but then i remembered she's actually the middle child and nesta is the oldest Mm -hmm. they would prefer just to be like snooty and like judge all the other folks in their town because they're also poor than do something to make money right so you when you meet the sisters nesta is definitely the she's the oldest one so she remembers the most of what that life was like and what the family life was before so she is way definitely by far the bitterest of them all. She's very angry at what happened, very upset with what happened, very upset with her father for not doing anything and still continuing not to do anything, but also kind of just a straight up bitch. That's just the kind of person that will cut off her nose despite her face. Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. So there's no appreciation when she comes back for this dough. She's like, yeah, we get to eat again. But also when you sell that coat, I really need a new coat or I need new boots. And she's like, um, I have like duct tape on my boots, but okay, sure, you can have the new boots. And Elaine is sort of like the flower child. She's aloof. She I was gonna say aloof. She's, just she's there. like she's like wall a wallflower. I feel like Elaine is delicate. That's what they, so they you ex- make her excuse as. She's delicate. So you, oh, it's you okay. You can't expect anything from her. She does have a garden that she plants. Like she's a lily of the valley. She does not something or she does not toil. I forgot what that saying is. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best she's way to describe her. She's pretty and she's, useless. She's pretty and useless. And she's kind of, I don't want to say dumb because that is not the right word, but she's just sort of like, sure, yes, that would be lovely. I would love to like, do this. Like, she's not a realist. She's not seeing what's she's, happening. She's ditzy and dainty. 
There it's we go. Basically, what she comes off and as. So the if two we were sisters, to call her as like a '90s chick flick. It's yeah, she's that character. And the two sisters on either ends of the spectrum. You have super light, bubbly Elaine, and you've got super dark, angry Nesta. And then somewhere in the middle, you have Feyre. So I also want to talk about how they always describe the mother. And mm-hmm. so one of the things I highlighted was my mother imperious and cold with her children, joyous and dazzling among the peers who frequented my former estate and dotting on my father. So the mother like was ab- absolutely obsessed with her father and showed all her love and appreciation to her father and the house guests, but never to her children. I was like, you can kind of see the parallels because she compares her mother and Nesta a lot to each other. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that I'm like, wait a second. What were you, mom? Were you human? Uh-huh. So that's something that you do wonder about and when you're reading this book specifically because you're like – everyone keeps remark- telling Feyre throughout the course of the book, you know, you're very adapt for a human. You're very this for a human. You're very that for a human. And it's clear she is more adapt than her sisters. So does something do run in her blood maybe? Adapt. 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 <laughs> adapt. Sorry. I was like, I said adapt. And I'm like, no, adapt. Well, well, you know, I'm out of wine, so we're a full glass in. You can call uh, your bar- bartender. I was just about to text him, like, is there more wine? <laughs> the bartender is my husband. So when the beast of a man, Tamlin, literally, like, breaks down the door of their cottage and is like, I'm claiming you, Farah is equal parts pissed and annoyed because she's the one that has to stand up to be like, um, nothing happened here. It's okay, sir. Like, there's just a misunderstanding. And while everyone else is kind of crying and cowering in a corner. Yeah. So basically she has to stand up for her entire family and say, hey, I was the one that did it. Her dad literally cowered away. Sisters cowered away. She's the only one there. She has no other choice. It's either they all get killed or she goes with them willingly Mm -hmm. with him, not they. And it's kind of sad because you – later on after she's gone, she she talks about how she wishes her dad – did more to protect her and like got up and tried. And he's like, no, sir, please. And she's like, okay, you could protest a little bit more. Like this is your daughter. Right. So when Farah's mom was on her deathbed, she made an agreement with Farah and told her to stay together and look after them. So she's been doing all this to keep up her end of the agreement with her mom. But after Farah is like, okay, I'll go with you with Tamlin. The dad is like, you were always too good for here, Farah. Too good for us, too good for everyone. And then he squeezes her arm like he actually finally gives a crap about her. But then here's the thing that really got me messed up. He was like, if you ever escape, don't come back here. I was like, what? 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 See, this that is, one it was, didn't mess. It just got me thinking. I was like, okay. At the first time I read it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Don't come back here. This place is a shithole. Like, if I'm going to run away from Faye. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, do we think the dad knows something like does he think there's something else out there so that about wraps up all we need to know about Feyre getting captured before she's taken to spring court so let's talk about one of the most interesting eh, there's a lot of information that comes from this next section I'm like is it the most interesting no it's a lot of world building but a lot of interesting things happen that take place and I'm talking about Feyre's time at the spring court now as you remember Tamlin is this beast in a castle, so to speak, and she's exploring the ground. She has her handmaiden, Alice. Thank you. Time out for one second. I just need to tell you guys what a fucking idiot I am and how the entire time they're talking about her 
tree bark skin. I thought she just looked like fucking Groot. Like I thought she was Groot. <laughs> like I did not realize that she just meant she was like darker. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was listening to her doing yard work and I was like, I literally was like, hold up. She's not a Groot-like fairy. No, I thought she was like fairy, like human bodied, but her skin was actually like bark. Well, I not bark okay. color. I was like, oh my skin. God, this woman's just tan and no, I made no. her a tree. So I didn't think her skin was necessarily like bark. I think she it might have looked like bark. Okay. But yes, but still like a fairy, maybe kind of like textured. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making this like maybe, woman. Maybe, maybe she's why- like a dryad. What are what are the like the creatures that are part of trees? Maybe she's nymphs? like maybe nymphs? she's a nymph. Yeah, could or be. like a dryad. But so the reason why I don't think it's just the, the description of her skin color is because when she woke up after getting like the glamour mm-hmm. removed, she was like, Who the fuck are you? Where's Alice? And Alice is like, You're such a stupid human. It's me. It is I, Alice. Okay, maybe we leave this in. So she, <laughs> but on, she, <laughs> on it, she thought all together. So she definitely does not look. It's not just her okay, skin okay. color tone. <laughs> I feel better about not being just completely stupid then. Uh, all right. So back to uh, Feyre's time at the spring court. Now we have Tamlin. Like I said, he's kind of this beast in the castle situation. There's gardens she gets to explore. She's very much just learning her surroundings. And she's very pleasantly surprised but skeptical to note that she's not being held in a dungeon. She's not an actual captive. She can roam. She has three square meals a day, which, as you remember, she was the sole meal provider. So she – there's a lot of prejudices also about Faye that she has to overcome. Like, are they going to try to eat her? Are they going to try to be tricky and trick her into doing something? Are they going to secretly poison her food? All of these things she has to sort of – Overcome. Process. Yes, process. Um, and in doing so, as she's processing and being exposed to this world, so are we. So we kind of learn a little bit more about the different courts there are. You have the celestial courts, I believe is what they called them. Please don't come for me. That's wrong. Um, which would be your day. I was like, what are night. they? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's day, day night, night, and dawn. dawn. You notice dust, right, one dust missing. is missing. Um, then you have uh, like fall or autumn, Season. winter. Obviously, we're in the spring court, and then there's summer court. And the summer court. So we learn a little bit about that, and we learn a little bit more about our captors. So we meet Tamlin when he's out of his beast form. He has a mask on his face, and so do all of the people that uh, Feyre meets in this castle. Um, And we come to find out that there's some kind of curse, a blight that trapped this on their faces. So we're really only getting half, half a Tamlin. Half of Tamlin, half of his second-in-command, Lucian, who um, is from the Autumn Court and has a mechanical eye because because it was poked out, for lack of a better word. We also learn about some interesting holidays that they celebrate and a lot of different interesting creatures. So before we get all into that, did you have a thought, Hilda? I was going to talk about the creatures. Okay, so hit us. What creature do you want to talk about? Um, Can we talk about... The Naga. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so how do we meet the Naga? So, well, you can't talk about the Naga without talking about the cereal. So let's talk about the cereal. I do love this man. Apparently, Feyre... It's a man? It? it? I love this being. It's an it? 
I don't know what it is, um, but I just like people are like the cereal's got the tea, and I like that version of him. Much like I yes. like Haven's version of Cassian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do want to say there's some people that have like romanticized cereal and like tried to like make him a sexy. In what thing. my face is book crunched in up. Bookstagram? Are you in? They're romanticized? No, 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 no. no. They've like romanticized oh. him. So, anyways, Farah has a lot of questions. And she really can't get any answers. And why so, are you asking all them questions? So Lucian basically tells her, well, why don't you ask the cereal? And he explains to her how she can capture the cereal. So she needs to, like, set a trap, bring some, like, live chicken or a dead chicken that was recently killed. Um, so we know that Farah is a hunter. And so she can set up a trap really well. And she has a chicken she traps cereal and the cereal basically can answer questions and she starts talking to him and asking him like what the hell is going on here she wants to know about this treaty that tamlin brought her over on and wants to know if there's any loopholes that she can find to get away back to her family so that's why she traps him one of the many reasons why she traps him and i forget what he tells her other than stay with the high lord yes now so anyway, I do want to talk on that for a second. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, your spoiler warning, so I'm going to spoil a little bit. So in reading this, I'll try to be non-spoiler. In reading this the second time, I didn't get the meaning of who they were supposed to be. Like, I'm reading this. I'm like, of course I would have thought it was Tamlin. Stay with the high lord. Yeah. Like reading it, I had no other inclination or even other hints of who it could be, if not him. Agreed 100%. Well, yeah, it was meant to be like that. You're not supposed to know because yeah. she only has known one high I know, but then when you like you do the back shot, I'm like, oh, remember when the story told you this? And you're like, yes, maybe. Again, there's no other high lord yes. in the picture this time. So why would you think of someone else? I just. She tied it together. She did. Well. She did. Um, so the serial basically tells Feyre some background information about the king in Highburn. Burn. Burn. Highburn. 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 And. How they were involved in Corinthian and war about the slaves. Basically a background history. Just like word vomited all of that. So now Feyre finally understands a little bit more. She finds out that Tamlin is not just a high fae, but the high lord of Spring Court. Um, What else? Truth bomb was dropped. Um, She finds out about how Amarantha disobeyed the king's Mm -hmm. orders. So like that thing... He or she, I'm not sure what the pronouns are, but they always sip in the tea. The cereal definitely divulged a lot of information. Cereal is gossipy AF, okay? This man's like, what do you want to know? You got chicken for me? And this is why I love them. I want to be best friends with the cereal. Yeah, but have you seen like the artwork on him? Like he's straight up terrifying. Yeah, he's he's like, kind of looks like, like shark teeth. Grim Reaper. Dementor, Dementor. Yes, a Dementor with yes. shark teeth is how he kind of looks. And also apparently smells weird. I mean, if you're all just skin bones and fabrics, you're going to probably smell like I mean, a batty so old like attic. I don't, I don't need my best friend to be like that. You know, you see these people, these mind. animals, and you're like, you know what doesn't – like you don't get the smell. You're not like that's, – that's something that would yeah. also terrify you because they describe it to you. But also when like you're smelling these things, like I don't even like to smell like my dog. You know, like that's terrifying. Oh. So anyways, we got all this backstory that we needed from the cereal and – as that's happening, apparently the Naga show up. And so the Naga are these terrifying creatures. Like, I don't even know how to describe them other than they're, like, out of your nightmares. Like a demogorgon? I guess, sure. It, it's, it's not a pleasant thing. And apparently, 
as the curse, the time for the curse's conclusion is approaching, more and more of these creatures are showing up in the spring court. And Farah, uncharacteristically, I guess, because remember, she hates Faye, uh, sets the cereal free. And then she goes running away and from saves the Naga. Him. She saves him from the Naga. She saves the cereal. Which is important. She kills one of the Naga. Um, but because she's yelling and then Tamlin shows up and like res- rescues her. Yeah, because Tam was out hunting them to kill them because they were mm-hmm. trespassing in the property. Been now, just up. a point of reference uh, here. When Lucian told her how to capture this, he was also like, oh, just scream and I'll come running. And mm-hmm. so she screamed, and this man was nowhere to be found. Also, he kind of set her up with he this. He did not he show kind of up. Set her he up. hesitated. He hesitated, and he did admit to it later to her after the fact and yeah. apologized. And then their little friendship started. And then gave bonding. her a knife. Yeah, he was like, "My yes. bad, boo. I sent you into danger, but you did real good." Here you go. I, I like them. I like their do- their I dynamic. I love their dynamic. So let's that's a good segue yeah. into Lucian. So what do we know about him? Not too much at this point. We know that he's also a masked fae. He has long reddish, like shoulder length reddish hair uh, and a mechanical eye. He does not have a. We know he's foxy. Like people think he's sly like mm-hmm. fox. Is his mask yeah, like yeah. foxy? I think it's yeah, fox yeah. inspired. And we know that he is an emissary to all the other courts. So that's how he's best mm-hmm. used serving Tamlin. Um, and he can kind of go between all of them. And he's friendly with all of them because he was raised in Autumn Court. So he is the younger son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court, who apparently is a big old asshole. Huge. Like, fuck that guy. And also fuck his brothers. Because we learn later, and I'm just going to tie it in here, that Lucian had taken a fae lover that his family, because they're the High family, um, did not deem worthy and basically just had her tortured for that. Like, he, they killed her in front of him. And his brothers made him watch. And they're assholes. That's just all kinds of fucked up. Yeah. Like this girl did nothing. Just come from a lesser family. So uh, pretty much after that, Lucian's like, fuck all you guys. I'm out. Deuces. And um, went over to his buddy Tamlin's. And that's where he's been every time ever since spring court. So no love lost for the autumn Love lost for his eye, though, because part of his job, he went to Amarantha to like – speak on behalf of Tamlin and she got pissed and just well he also it out insulted her well I mean that's part of yes. the emissarying you know yeah so Lucian's a little bit of a hothead he's usually pretty diplomatic but he has his moments but I think stupidity. a majority of Faye are hotheads I think it's just in their nature is it Faye on Faye <laughs> couldn't, couldn't resist oh lord uh, anyway, so that's what we know with Lucian. We know Lucian respects Tamlin, is good friends with him, and really respects his position. Tamlin is his high lord, so he listens to what Tamlin says. Um, and so, you know, there's things that Feyre will ask of him that he can't really answer at this point in time because, A, there's a, actually a curse blocking him from telling her, but B, like, Tamlin has not told him he's allowed to, so he's not going to divulge that information to him. Um, right. Any other thoughts on Lucian? I do love, and then we're going to talk about this section later, when she's under the mountain, that he still comes to visit. Like, he still tries to help his friend. Like, I do think there's a deep friendship there. Lucian's a good guy that has been in some pretty shitty circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I felt for him. I didn't love like him or love him, 
But I did feel bad for him because he kept getting into these shitty situations where he either yep. lost family, lost an eye, or lost a lover. So really, what, what is else he are you, here? What's Absolutely nothing. Those are all the things. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> oh, my other thought. <laughs> don't come for me for this one. But I call him Lucien. <laughs> Not Lucian. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> I... I think for a while there I was like, are, we, are you Lucian or are you Lucian? And then I was like, uh, we're Lucian. But now I've listened to the audio, it's Lucian. So there's another event that happens that's unique to spring court that everyone from all the other courts can come. So generally these territories all kind of stick to themselves, dawn, dusk, night, fall, winter. Um, but there's one event where they all come together. Hilda, what is that event? That come is- together. Cal and Mai. A.K.A. Calamari. Calamari. Say Calamini. <laughs> <laughs> like those words aren't even in there. It doesn't even. It's Calamai. Now, who wants to take explaining Calamai? Sure. So essentially, um, the magic of the spring court needs to regenerate itself. And so if you think about the symbolism of spring and bringing things to life, how do you bring things to life? The good old orgy, of course. Of course. They are fertilizing the soils and each other's. The womb is fertile. Exactly. <laughs> so apparently Tamlin as High Lord needs to uh, sow his seed. Have some really animalistic conjugal visit with some random fae that Chocolate. the cauldron... <laughs> That the cauldron. It's a little bit like Burning Man. I mean, I've never been, but I've been just assuming. But there's like, they have to these big fat pyres that that are there and these drums that are drumming the whole time. There's this intoxicating beat. And I just feel like everyone's kind of like out there, like drunk on whatever is happening. Yeah, they're trying to fertilize the earth. And so Farah is not allowed to. They told her, you got to keep your ass back in. Keep that human ass back. I know we're calling it a castle. Don't come back. So we're going to call it a castle. And Farrah being fair is like, why not? Why can't I go? What's wrong over there? And she's listening to the drums. And of course, it's calling to her and she gets this desire to go and she decides to sneak off. And she's also annoyed because they never explain anything to her. No. Which is like, They're just like, don't go. I I tell you nothing about this, but I have to go. And she's watching them through the window and she sees them all fucking partying. She's like, that's that's what I can't awesome. go what to. What are her other options? Guys. Like, read a book or go to this cool ass party. Right. So she can't even read a book. Naturally, she, she can't off. even read a book. So what is she gonna do? <laughs> she's going to paint. She paints, remember? So she you paints. mentioned that. Poor Farah's yeah, illiterate. Poor Farah. Girl. Not sorry, girl. I I don't mean to laugh at your inability to read, but like <laughs> what is she supposed to do? <laughs> So she sneaks off. She gets into some trouble. Some like other fae are like, ooh, a human. And they know like, what the ceremony is at. So they're creeps. thinking she's coming to fuck. Yeah. yeah. And then that- we meet. Fae, darling. A high fae. No, no, no. We meet the most beautiful man in the world. She straights up. Like literally I called him this Because I was like, she's obsessed with Tamlin, right? Or Not yet, like, though. She's feeling Tamlin. No, she's like, she, Tamlin. At that she's point, feeling she Tamlin. Tamlin, I feel like, I mean, we're going to get into him in a minute. But I just feel like... If you had to, the way he's described is, I feel like a long-haired Abercrombie model. You know what I mean? Like, that's who he is. He's very good-looking, chiseled, muscular, long, golden, lion's mane kind of hair. Like Leon, basically, from Zodiac Academy. 
Oh God, don't make that. I'm just saying, like in looks wise, it's given the same a little bit, same recipe without the Um, seasoning of that's the seasonings, you know. So apparently, it's not showing me. Tamlin's a boiled potato. (laughs) She goes on to describe. (laughs) him as the most beautiful face she's ever seen he's she could feel this like dark power within him and she knows that she needs to stay away away from him but she he's also so attractive and immediately when i was reading it the first time caitlin had checked up on me she goes so how far are you in the book and i was like well i just met this dude and she goes oh and i was like yes this is gonna be him this is the man i'm rooting for that was the only reaction i needed you sent fire emojis, and I was like, fuck Tamlin. I don't care about Tamlin anymore. Give me this Tam man. who? Dark moon. Tam who? Uh, so, <laughs> yes, this is our first incident where we meet Resand. And and he has violet eyes. Oh, those violet, violet peepers? Girl, say less. Mm. And violet peeper panty droppers. That's what they are. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So he's incredibly good looking and she's like, ooh, I'm not supposed to be here and you seemed very interested in me. And not just like interested in like sexually want to get with you, just like also interested in you. Like what are you doing here? Because he knows like he she's he literally tells her. He literally tells her, there you are. I've been looking for you. Yeah. Right, come back to that erupts. later. I'm going to clip note that. Imagine there's like a little like asterisk next to what we say that and we come back in like three episodes. We're going to reference that. <clears throat> Two. Two. Episode. Next, next episode. episode. Yeah. Next episode. I forget where we are. <laughs> Remember they all blur together. So we're talking about we're So talking about she meets him, They split apart and she goes her own way and She goes back to the house. No, no. Luce finds her. Oh, yeah. Yes. Lucian's like, what are you doing here? Her. You can't be here. And he tells her, back to the house you go. So he brings her back to the house. He's like, Tamlin will lose his mind because I feel like the lust, like the the magic that calls to him to sow his seed, like he's going to be insane with lust and will have to find Feyre. And it could be right. dangerous And he's going to have to pick. Mm-hmm. Dangerously. Yeah, hot. right. Okay. Like, so she goes back. She locks herself in the room. She – Wakes up after the music is over and she decides, oh, I'm going to go find some paint or find food or whatever the hell she goes. Once again, she leaves the room when she's not supposed to leave the room. And Tammy Tam finds her in the hallway and is like, I smelt you out there, but I could not find you. And the magic of the ritual made me chew. So he was off like rumping and dumping, like fucking he someone in this ritual. Faye, wishing it was her, finds her in the hallway, pushes her up the, against the wall and bites her neck. This was the first book I read that had the like this tiny little bit of spice. And I was like, so this was great tension. It was great tension. It was it really was. The ten- was the buildup was real. I forgot. Like it still hits. Was, no, it and does. it's just a bite on the neck. It's just a bite on the neck, and it we was like... We don't even like this asshole. We don't. And we were like, damn. All right, I like you. And so they split ways. They have words, and the next she morning... Slaps she slaps him. She's, oh, yeah, she slaps him. Even better. Pills the angst. Mm-hmm. Like, good old bite me on the neck and then slap. Bam. That's How dare people are into. Out on me. Hey, we don't yuck no, yums here. Just saying. Some people would be like, ah. So the next morning... Oh, they probably mm-hmm. love it. Like I'm saying, pills to the angst. Um, we love a good enemies to lovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love That's it. That's how that goes. 
The next morning, she shows up with the big old like like hickey markings on her neck, mark. a hickey basically. And Lucia's like, "What's that? What's going on?" And so she's basically like, "Well, he decided to go like an animal and bite my neck." And she wears it proudly, and he's pissed. But then they get over it, and then they start hanging out together. And now we have this little relationship bond. Yes. Now, do we want to segue into Tamlin as a whole? You know, obviously that's the first bit of their relationship. So Tamlin at this point, we're liking him. He's warming up to her. There's clearly a love, a lust between them two. It's mutual. So their affection grows for each other. Now, eventually there's solstice. Yes, Hilda. I just wanted to point out that Farah has never had anybody take care of her. Uh, good point. Ever since her family lost everything, you know, at 14, so that they wouldn't starve, she was out there. Like, they didn't even focus on her education. She never even got the opportunity to read. So the fact is that Tamlin takes care of her. And she right. really likes that. And we can see why she's falling for him. We we don't know if she's falling in love with him, but she's definitely feeling some type of way. Basically, what happens the rest of the time in spring court is that they're courting each other without really courting each other. They're spending a lot of time together. They're going on day dates. They're going traveling to see spring court, and they're getting to know each other. We found out background information about Tamlin's family, about the slaves that they had. She finds out how they die. She so shows him the artwork that she's been making, and it's a real like heart to heart feeling moment we go into our summer solstice it is just basically a summer festival where they all get drunk on fairy wine and dance and party all night long because it's the longest day of the year and she's feeling tam he's out there playing his fiddle and then they i think they kiss at this point so they kiss they have a good time um the next day or maybe the day after i believe it's the next day my memory's a little wonky right now they're having lunch and who shows up our boy, Mr. Violet Eye Penny Dropper. <laughs> Mr. Violet Eye Penny Dropper. So he shows up. My Reese's um, peanut Tamlin butter and, of love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tamlin and uh, Lucian immediately go on defense. They're like pushing her against the wall, concealing her. Trying so to hide her. They don't know. So he won't know that she's there. And as he's about to leave, he realizes that there's a third place setting. And he's like, how dare you try to trick me? He sees her. He unveils the glamour and he's like, oh, it's you. Here you are again. He gets her name. He oh, takes but she off. gives them a wrong right. name. Right. She gives her the name of a girl yes. in her town. She just picked like some random girl, Claire, better. Right. So after that, Tam immediately realizes that he can't go through with this. He needs to send her home. She's in danger. Especially now that Reese has been there. He went through his wards. He knows she's there. He's got a name for her. Like it's not safe. Uh, Amarantha's power yeah. is growing. And- the blight from what we know, is growing. So Reese is called Amarantha's whore. Yes. And we are led to believe that Reese works for Amarantha. Mm -hmm. So So they have sex that night. Yes. They tell her she's leaving. You know, it's not safe. So they ended up making love, making love, you know, doing it all night long. The next morning, she gets in a carriage. She goes home to her new house, which is a mansion. Her family's well off. Now, because of Tamlin, and she suddenly feels like the extra. Oh wow, he really wasn't lying. He really is taking care and of my family. He did tell her, "I love you," but when both- she's leaving. He said it twice. "I love you," right. and she was just like, "He said it twice," mm-hmm. and she couldn't say it back. And this comes back to bite her in the ass. So while she's there, she's spending time with her sister. Nesta is like, "I know you weren't with my aunt, 
are dying on, like everybody believes. Um, and she basically has to tell her the truth about what was happening at spring court. And eventually she decides she needs to go back because she can't believe she left the man there that she loves to deal with this big old problem. She just ran away. So she makes her way back to spring court. She finds the mansion or castle abandoned and incomplete. The manor. The I call manor. it a castle the too. Like, I don't know why. I just- yeah, I call it an estate, but someone said castle, said so I'm castle. just going with it. Um, <laughs> Picture it like, so a, she finds like it- a Downton Abbey like space. You know? Yes. I was thinking like Bridgerton yeah. when they went to like their summer home. So she finds it completely destroyed. Things were like broken into, taken, and she could tell that like there was a fight there. As she's going through the property, she runs into Alice. And Alice basically word vomits everything now because now that Tamlin has gone underneath the mountain, part of the blight, which we will find out is actually a curse on his court, is like lifted. So Alice is able to tell her what the blight is, how the curse is. She tells her almost basically everything except for one little part she can't say. Um, she begs Alice to take her to under the mountain and Alice yeah, is Alex like, okay. Her, Alice tells her, we were three days away from you ending this curse on us if only you said I love you back, you big dumb idiot of a human. And so she's not right. happy with her. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be? But also, like, I get it, like, Feyre has and been through a lot of shit. She the guilt she feels knowing this, that she, it would have taken three words for her to end this, end everyone else's pain, save them. Right. Three words that she already assumed she believed. So she knew she loved Tamlin, yet she was not able to say it. But I don't blame her because the background that she comes from with her, the way her parents are, like she doesn't know how to love. She doesn't know what it means to be loved. And like Hilda said, this is the first time someone's actually taking care of her. Like her family never took care of her for whatever. So Alice takes her away to the mountain and is like, good luck. Keep your wits about you. Don't believe what you listen to and always keep your ears open or some crap like that. And and you're just like, like trying to tell, like, there's things I want to tell you, but I cannot bargains. because of the curse. Yeah, and don't make any bargains. So she walks into the mountain. She gets captured immediately, immediately. taken to Amarantha. No, okay, it's worth noting the quick shoes. background between Amarantha and Tamlin. I think it's worth addressing very quickly. So everyone, when Amarantha's rule came to be, she sweeped everyone's night, everyone's courts under the mountain with her, which they uh, modeled after the night court. And because Tamlin's dad had been good friends with Tyburn and therefore good friends with Amarantha, she let him out. But she wanted Tamlin, like, wanted that Tamlin Calamani moment. You know what I mean? And Tamlin basically spits her face and was like, absolutely fucking not, bitch. Like, I, no thank you. And that pissed her off. And so that gave her the court curse that we talked about earlier that for seven times, seven years, this oddly fucking specific amount of time, <laughs> we are going to be cursed. And you have to find a female woman to love you. Now, Favor had three, three days left to be able to say this before he was taken. So obviously when she went back to her families, the three days were up and Tamlin's now under the mountain. So when Feyre is dragged through the night court and is thrown in front of Ander- – Under the, the mountain. mountain. Yes, I'm Not sorry. The night court. Under the mountain and is thrown in front of Amarantha. She is thrown to just be here surrounded by all these Fae that she's like – she doesn't really interact with a ton of Fae before. So she's thrown into all these people. Everyone knows she's human. But then directly sitting next to – Amarantha on the throne is an unmovable Tamlin. Like he's not showing expression. He's not saying a word. He's just sitting there. 
He is a stone. He's a statue, basically. Now, this is a strategy. He doesn't make guy. eye contact like, this with This is a her. strategy where we learn from Lucian later. He's like, oh, he's trying not to give her anything. He's try- He doesn't want to show his feelings so that Amarantha doesn't know how much you mean to him. He doesn't want to say anything that could hurt you. But at the same time, he could have done a little bit more. I wasn't buying no, it. I wasn't buying it either. I was not buying it. Okay, so we'll, we'll get, get into, into it eventually. But, but Of course. So Amarantha's like, oh, looky here. Reese, this is the human that was part of Tamlin's court because you told me another human that is now like crucified, crucified up on, on the wall. wall. And Thera, again, she's already got the guilt of trapping Tamlin under here, this man she loved and could have set him free with just three little words. And now we have Claire Bedore's body crucified up on the wall, dead, uh, all because Vera gave her a name just to protect herself. And so she is sickened. By this, I want to say immediately we kind of realized that yes. Reese protected her because he told Amarantha that Clara was the name, knowing that it was a lie when she originally told him. Um, and then when they got Clara, he confirmed it was her before they started torturing and her. Reese's so now way out of this. Thera shows is, up. They all humans all look alike to me. Like I don't know. So we already know he's playing games and we're trying to figure out what team he's on. Is he supporting himself, supporting Amarantha, or is he, you know, doing it for the people, all the peoples? We don't know. So Amarantha is like, you know what? We're bored. Let's have a little fun with you. I'll enter into this crazy bargain to let everyone go if you complete my three trials. And like we said earlier, you, if at any point during the three trials, you remember, you figure out my riddle, and she does some like rhymey word riddle that we're not going to get into. If you solve this riddle at any time, trial's over, you win. Now, favorite, of course, is like, well, I have no other fucking choice. I'm under the mountain. We're here. Like, <laughs> Tamlin's there. I'm going to try to save the man I love. So, sure, I enter into this bargain. And then, poor thing is, first thing Alice said, don't go making bargains. First thing Feyre does, a bargain. makes a bargain. Now, immediately after making that bargain, she's beaten to a pulp, dragged off to a dungeon. Her ch- her dungeon chambers. Yeah. In the dark, because they're under a mountain, and she's not fed well, she's not cared for. She's a prisoner. She's a prisoner. Until a the prisoner. next full moon, which is when Amarantha said these trials would be, she's dragged up to the courtroom where everyone is. Lucian does show up though, and he heals her. Oh, does he? That's he right, heals her nose as much as broken, possible. Right? Yeah, as much as possible before the first trial. Right, which again goes back to that like lovable friendship where he's like, "I see you, buddy. Like I'm stuck here. I'm gonna do what I can to help you." Right, and he says that he would never be able to just ignore her because he's doing it for Tamlin. Like Tamlin would never forgive him. So you're like, okay, so you're doing this to save your own ass, but also you kind of like me. But you're kind of like a decent person. Like you're you're trying to hide your decentness under like I'm doing it for someone else, right? So he heals her, leaves the markings on her body, so they don't realize that she's been healed. And so her first the first trial, trial is a doozy. Although one of my favorite because this is riveting to read. Like so, basically, there's like a maze, a mud maze, and oh, there's which was a poop, poop mud maze. poopy mud maze. Which I'm like, where were you guys Worm just like poop. standing on top of this? Like how did this just get here? You know what I mean? Like I had questions because it's in the main throne room where everyone's able to watch this and Amarantha says great first trial here's she like shoves her into the mud and the mud pit it's a pit that she's in uh Feyre realizes this is some kind of maze 
And then basically the instruction is make it out alive. And she's like, what am I, what am I up against? We come to find out it is this big, like tapeworm motherfucker of a worm that is just if you watch SpongeBob, uh-huh. you know, like just think about that worm from SpongeBob in the episode many, 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 many years ago that was going through Bikini Bottom, literally eating everything. That is the same fucking worm that is okay. in this book. So let's give a slightly older reference. Does anybody remember the movie Tremors? Yes, yeah, that's what I'm yes, yes, it is okay. also Tremors. Yes. Okay. So I'm like, I can't, I can't get you on SpongeBob, but I feel you. You know, I every couple of years I look that that like movie up, and I'm pretty sure it was a show at some point. Um, I think so on IMDb because I'm like, I did not make this up. I it's remember a fever watching dream this of, as, a yes, kid, as a kid with my family. This? And it, I could, ne- I never see it on TV anymore. So I'm like, there's no way I fucking made this up, none whatsoever. So every Kevin couple Bacon, years, yeah, right? I think so. Oh, it was I think so it's coming back. Yeah. So it's basically tremors of this worm that moves through. And Feyre, you know, she's a hunter, so she's trying to make it through. Um, it's a worm that's moving full speed down this maze, and when she comes to realize that it is smelling her. So she ends up making what I can only say is like a badass trap. She like runs into a dead end where she realizes, oh, this is like where he spits the bones out. And she sharpens, breaks every bone against her thigh to make like this jagged little um, spiky landing zone for him basically. And her main – Spiky booby trap. Spiky booby trap. Thank you. And she decides she's going to lure him in there. And because he can't see, he's not going to be able to see that he can't stop warming – full force into these spikes and that's her game plan she has to cover herself in all this poopy mud so that like it hides her scent so it doesn't see her and um there's some really intense moments especially when lucian yells on your left when like she can't figure out where it is and i just again i really love lucian like their friendship in that moment yes meanwhile reese is there and he's looking at her laughing because he's figuring out what she's doing and everyone's like what the heck is going on what is she doing human just foolish mortal rolling in the mud and then He's the one that says she's setting a trap. And you can already tell, like, he admires the fuck out of her. Like, mad respect right now. Yep. And so they had some gambling to see if Pharaoh would make it out alive. And everybody in the court bet, it, bet against her except for Reese. I think like, people, so most people up- said, like, oh, in 90 seconds she'll be dead. And then in five yeah. minutes she'll be Like, those are the two main bets <laughs> that she was up against. So immediately the trial, especially the scene when she's like climbing up walls, she's being very resourceful and covering her body with like the poopy mud. It was giving me Katniss yes. Everdeen vibes in Hunger Games. I was like, I'm into it. I love it. Let's go. Go, girl. So she survives the trial. She wins. However, she takes a bone like a badass and flings it to Amarantha and gets mud all over her dress like in a true fucking mm-hmm. fashion. And I love But she doesn't it. not pay the price for this. Because she is thrown at one point and, like, one of the bony spheres, like, goes through her shoulder, her thigh? Yeah. Her arm. arm. Her arm gets really badly injured. She has a bone spur. Yes. Stuck in there. And so when she's wheeled back under the dungeon, she's really not – Yeah, she's got a whole other month. She can only do this in the full moon. She's got a fever. She's got a fever. She's not eating. She can't stop bobbing. Because remember, this was not just, like, mud. This was poop. You know what I mean? So, like – the germs in this Feces are in the mud. really bad. So she's dying. She's basically dying. And she's she's human. She's not – this is not working out for her. Uh, and who who comes to save her? 
So she's holding out for Lucian, thinking he's going to show up and heal her. Because what other hope does she have? Rhysand appears in her... Her cell. Her dungeon. Her cell. And... And is like... Yeah, he basically... Of course, she hates him. She hates him. She hates him. She begrudgingly accepts help from him. Um, but not before he, they make another bargain. So the bargain is, I will heal you, but then every week for one month, you have to come stay with me in my court. He starts off high. He's like- Every month for one week. Every yep. Come stay with me. Yes. Right. What did I say? Every he week for a every month? Every week oh. for one month. <laughs> God, wishful thinking. So he starts off high though. He's like, I think it's two weeks out of the month or something like that. And then she bargains it down. Um, and he's like, okay, fine. I will heal you for one week out of the month. You're going to spend in Night Corp. And in doing so, making and this bargain, she gets this intricate black tattoo that goes all the way up her fingers to her elbow, essentially marking it as a bargain. He's like, this is the way it's done in my court. And it really allows everyone to see who she sort of entered into this bargain with. Now, there's time, obviously, between full moons. And so Reese brings her up to the court to show her off, dresses her scantily, gives her all this fairy wine to get her drunk. Basically, so she just – he knows in this moment she just needs to forget. Like she can't relive these hair, terrors every time. She can't relive what she's been going through. Just drink and dance and she's hung over the next couple days after that. But then he brings her back up again. And this is like a show. Like- yeah, and Feyre thinks that she, with the bargain – that he is using her to taunt Tampa mm-hmm. is what she thinks. Um, so the next trial, which this is another one, because um, for Lucian yelling on your left and giving her some kind of warning, he is now thrown into the trial as well. He was also whipped for that as well, uh, which Tamlin got to do. By Tamlin. Yep. Yep. From good old Amarantha being like, this is how this is going to go down, boys. And so basically it's another pit-like situation. There's some writing on the walls, and it's a pit separated between Lucian, who's tied up, and Feyre, who's tied up. And um, the trial starts, and there's these red-hot like lava spikes that are slowly coming down upon them. Now, all Feyre has to do is read a riddle and push a lever. There's three levers. So assuming she can read the riddle or the instructions and pull the lever – the spiky hot spikes stop from crushing them slowly to death. The problem with that, as you remember saying a little bit earlier, our girl can't read. So Feyre is panicked because she's realizing, I cannot read anything. Lucian is starting to scream because he's like, holy shit, I know she can't read. Like, this is not going to be good. And he's like, just pick one, pick one. But she knows if she picks the wrong one, this is not going to end well. And so Feyre is like, holy shit, I just got to pick one because like she's realizing like death is upon us. The fact that I can't read is what's going to kill me, and this is just, like, mentally killing me a little bit. And as she's going to push a lever, she's like, fuck it. I'll just pick one. She hears a little voice in her head saying, like, not that one. And she's like, what? And she goes to pick pick it again, and there's another voice being like, not that one. Or there's, like, a heating. It's not a a voice. She gets a big – she gets a pain. Something, yes. You're right. Something is indicating her to don't pick that one. So then when she goes to pick the next one, that one gives a pain as well. Then she goes to the third one, or whichever order it is. I'm sorry if I'm all off. She goes to that one. I think it ends up being the third one. Okay, that's what I thought. She goes to the third one, no pain. So the first two pains, she's like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Pulls the third one because what other option do I have? And the spikes stop. So she has been saved. But she is also like emotionally crushed knowing I almost killed myself. I almost killed 
Lucian because I didn't know – I don't know how to read. Like this is just like a big mental blow to her senses. Like I'm a good hunter. I killed the worm. But this – like I couldn't do myself. I would have died if I didn't have help from whoever. So she's really breaking apart. I think after that one is where she really starts to come unhinged. Um, and mm-hmm. this is where we see a lot more of Reese intervening, bringing her up to everyone. I think she starts to hear music in her cell, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and that sort of lulls her into a more calm state. Now, the third trial, one of the more fucked up ones. I mean, they're all pretty fucked well, up. The night before, the night before the third trial, um, she has a moment where she can escape with Tamlin and they're making out in a corner. Well, hidden. They're about to have sex when all of a sudden Reese shows up and he's like, Tamlin, you need to go away. Um, and then Reese kind of takes his place because then like two seconds later Amarantha shows up. Tamlin has not given her any attention. Very the good entire point. time she's here. The one minute that he has a, he's able to like escape from Amarantha, what does he do? He pulls her into basically a broom closet and tries to fuck her. Yes. So she's fighting you to the save worm. Your girl? He couldn't go down there. Didn't want to – didn't shout for her. Didn't encourage her. Didn't look sad, defeat. Like there's nothing. She's getting nothing from him. And the entire time Fear is like, I would die for this man. Yes, I would die for this man. I'm going to die for yeah. him. She Yeah. She accepts her face that she's not leaving under the mountain unless like a miracle happens. And he decides at that point that's what he wants to do. Like I get it. You want to have a good time. But also, if you really loved her, you would be trying to save her. This is the moment that I was like, I am no longer fan of Tamlin. Yeah, I was Tamlin's not having kind it. Of a piece of shit. Because you know who was helping her the entire mm-hmm. time? Our Lord and our Savior. <laughs> Preach. Preach. Daddy okay. Reese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he might be the villain. I was here for the villain. I was always here for the villain. Number one on my white shoes. Anywho, so uh, yes, that is important to note that Reese was there to step in to help both of them, let it be said, from Amarantha discovering their little almost tryst in a broom closet. Um, The next trial arrives and there are three trembling fae. There's three, right? Three trembling fae in front of Feyre. And the last task is, well, you're such a good hunter. You've bested all these things. Now all you have to do is just kill these three people. And she's like, here's the sword to do it. And Feyre's like, what? And she's like, nice. you just got to kill them. Real easy. And so obviously as a hunter, you don't take a life to take a life. You take a life because it is needed. You take a life because it is giving life to others. In this situation, she would just be straight up murdering these people. And even though she has killed things before, there's always been a purpose, a reason, a greater purpose for it, not just – me standing in front of you shoving a knife through your heart, which is basically what she then does to these three people. And I wouldn't say it was an easy decision by any means. Like she really – this was a tortured situation where each she had to do each one individually. Right. And Amarantha is like, well, you killed one of our people already. So what's the difference now? But now she's lived in Spring Court for almost half a year or beyond. And she's met people. She's experienced grief. She's learned about – the people of Spring Court, Alice, like the other fae that got injured by Amarantha and she helped pass him along into the afterlife. So she has a heart. She suddenly feels remorse. And it's not like she's the same girl that she started off as at the beginning of the book. Well, the other thing that's really fucked up, though, is that 
At the, all the other trials, the Fae had been mocking her and really rooting against her. But at this trial, there's like this air of expectation. Like they all think that there's a possibility that they can be free. So she has like this terrible choice to make where it's like, if I kill these Fae, I can free mm-hmm. all of these people. Right. But I'm killing these Fae. And I'm the one doing it. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and she does feel where before it was a great point, Hilda. Before there was cheering, it almost seemed like a sporting event, and now it's this very solemn, somber moment. And you can tell these three people were just plucked from the crowd because, like, random pockets of people are crying about this this happening. So she does; she kills all three, and she first, the two, first two. You're right; she kills the first two. She unmasked the third person, and who is it? It's Tamlin. It's Tamlin. And she's like, what? No, Tamlin's on top of the um, dais. Yes. And then she looks over there and it's the adder. And he had glamored himself to be Tamlin. And Tamlin is actually sitting right in front of her. So Amarantha really thought she was getting the last laugh here. Right. You so know, enough. Kill him and save her entire court or his entire Or kill court. the man she came specifically down here to get and save. Now, Feyre's in a frenzy. She's trying to reconcile what do i do here i have tamlin who i love that i'm going to be forced to kill or i have all these people who i could save but like i'm going to be killed like there's this just terrible choice she has to make and now some memory comes back to her of some things that are said before where people that call tamlin um a stone heart he's got a star heart of stone heart of stone heart of stone she's like you know what maybe he really does maybe that's part of the course maybe he does have a heart of stone so she says I got nothing else to lose. And she ends up stabbing Tamlin through the heart until she feels stone. And he did have, as part of the curse, like a heart of stone, which protected him and then checked off her little complete three trials quest. Now she does this and Amarantha is like, I'm not letting you go. I never told you when I would let you go. I just said I would. Now, rightfully, the court goes fucking bonkers because everyone has seen her do all three things that she said like no one's really loyal to him everyone realizes like we're all trapped here just because maybe we have eat we have food and we're not punished per se like we're trapped here and they all want to get out just as much as the next person and so to see her go back on her word there's outrage um reese tries to kill amarantha and he's like blown away That's right a fight and so then she decides that amarantha decides that she's going to try to kill pharah and while she's like torturing pharah with her power um pharah understands the answer to the riddle which is love right and so then she says it's love and in that last blow amarantha breaks her neck or her spine but then all of the High Lords get their power back. And basically, Tamlin grabs Amarantha and, like, eviscerates her up against the wall. While this entire thing is happening, instead of, like, making eyes at Tamlin, she keeps capturing the eyes of Reese. And then after her neck is snapped or her spine is snapped, realize she's still seeing everything play out, but it's not from her eyes. So she's trying to figure out who she's seeing this entire scene unfold from. And then she realizes she has somehow connected to Resand and is able to see the entire thing unfold. And then 
Tamlin grabs her and is basically crying over her. And Reese at some point starts having these conversations with other high lords in this section. And he basically is like, we need to give her an ember of power to bring her back to life. We owe this to She's her. She's done because so much to free she her. Literally, sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. She has sacrificed literally everything to save us and our people. And this is what she's owed. So they all start walking up to Tamlin as he's holding her and they give her an ember of power. And then Tamlin gives her the last one and she basically resurrects. And then she doesn't just come back alive as a human. She becomes a high fae. And basically, she comes back as a high fae. Everyone is awed. Everyone is awed by her and all the work she's done. And the book ends with Tamlin going, let's go back home. And she's like, let's go back home. Wait. She's before like, before that. Reverse, oh, yes. Reverse, reverse. reverse. <laughs> before that. So they decide to spend the night under the mountain because there's just so many things going on. And so when she wakes up that morning, she feels a tug. On the bond. She also was having sex with Tamlin underneath the mountain and then out of that bed that same morning as Zelda was saying, you can continue. I just wanted to throw that part in there. She feels the tug and she follows that tug up to the roof of the mountain. I don't know. She ends up outside um, and Reese is there. And Reese is talking to her. Something I want to talk about too. So go. (laughs) I'm going to call in my bargain and then they're leaving and as he's leaving because he can winnow which is travel he has this shocked look on his face like <gasps> and, and then he, he stumbles back he stumbles back and then he disappears and she's like that's weird that? because like he's so graceful all the time like why would he ever stumble why but would, before that shock him? before they him? left one of the things he told her and i like almost fucking boohooed cried over it after I read everything and I was like, this is such a sweet moment. She had basically asked him, why did you do it? And he told her he he didn't want her to die alone. And she felt that way about a Fae that was severely injured and dying earlier in the book. And she told that same thing to Tamlin. And I was immediately like, oh my God, they're kindred souls. They're meant Meant to be be. together. I did not make that conclusion. I thought I – that far in i did it i was like what's going on here i did not make that conclusion i was just really hoping that tamlin was not it and i was already loving the villain i was that he was made out to be i I think what really did it for me because he had a heart of gold what really did it for me i think too is that this entire time under the mountain again tamlin is not saying anything he's not doing anything like lucian risked saying something to help her reese risked a lot to help her and Tamlin really did nothing. Now, you have to think some of it, maybe he couldn't do anything, but you could have said something. He didn't, didn't try. try. To me. Do we talk about how he like almost, he killed that one fae that was trying to escape, but he was also like hiding info from Amaranth. We didn't get into that part, but that did happen. Like there's little things that happen where you think maybe Reese isn't working for Amarantha as much as we originally thought, or as as much as everyone else originally Mm -hmm. thought. He shows one side to Feyre, and he shows another side of himself to everyone else. Reese is a double agent that's like a mole. But working like 10 steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. Like trying to sabotage her and save people as much as possible. Moral of the story at the end, Amarantha meets her bloody end. And Tamlin, Durian, and his finger disappear. 
Jiren's eye and yes. his finger disappear. Ugh. So weird. And um, everyone returns everyone home returns and she, home, they go back to Spring Court. Back to Spring Court and where, that, where this ends. Um, I freaking loved this book. Loved it so much. It, it was really good. Still loved it again reading it. This is a different experience for me because I did the audible on it and I'm like, this was still as good. Still as good. And it didn't have to be super smutty, but it had the right amount of tension. Oh, yeah. It did. Which is funny because I remember, re- like Bridget said, like I remember reading certain scenes where I was like, whoa, this is this is something. And then reading it back, That's I'm like, why this I- is not what I thought it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Well, s- it all depends on your spice level, like what type of books you read on a regular day. But that's why I get so pissed when people are like, oh, this book is so spicy. It's the spiciest book I've ever read. And then people in the DMs are, are like the comment section are like, have you read Haunting Adeline? Have you read this? And I'm like, yo, leave them the fuck alone. Like if they just said this book is so spicy, obviously they haven't read the other books. And maybe that's, that's their not spice. their jam. Like, like, up until this point in time, this is the spiciest right. book I've read. And so when I read this book, this was the spiciest book I have ever read. And literally – not much had happened. Nope, but it was still really – But the quality, the buildup, those are things you can never take Chef's away. Chef's kiss. Like I could read a book full like straight up smut, like basically porn and, you know, it's just whatever. There's a vendetta. I read it, There's like done, this, move along. There's uh, like TikTok that goes around where it's like, what can you talk about? At, like your people have kidnapped you. What are you boring them with? And you're like, okay, so here's a Venn diagram where you've got smut. And you got plot. And when those two things overlap in the middle, that's when you got all of SJM. Like, it's true. You've got your smut. You've got your plot. Like, you, it's very hard to find both that overlap in a good and meaningful way that move the story forward. And that is the series. And that's why I think it gets so much love because it's got a little bit for everything, everyone. And I also still believe this is like an entryway series. This is our, like, we grew lovers. up Hunger Games. This is Hunger, Hunger Games is PG-13. This is like R. You know what I mean? Like, we've leveled up. Yeah. This one's yeah, are. yeah, yeah. I'm saying like you've got Harry yeah. Potter. That's your yeah. PG. This is what we're raised on. This is our generation. You got Harry Potter that uh, brought us up, and you've got Hunger Games. Then you've got this. Like this is our generation. This is how we move. This is how we evolve. What's mm-hmm. next for us? Can tell you. I feel like you left out oh, too. That's, that's that who? Oh, but you never read Twilight. I refused. You know what? I you refused. made a good call. Would not. Never did it. Did you at least watch nope. the movies? Will not. Wow. Did not. Bridget and I may need to have an intervention. I don't think I can. I can't even. It's so bad when I rewatch it now, but I cannot. Like the soundtrack, literally when I'm moody, I put on the soundtrack. One of their songs was my wedding dance song. And I didn't even realize it was from Twilight until like a year after. So I goes, oh God, this is from Twilight. (laughs) Uh, So this. We're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. This book, I think, again, it was a lot of people's great rage drug. It is still such a good book. And a book I recommend to others that are like, what's a really good book? I'm like, you know what's a good book? You got to get on this. Because it is, again, a gateway drug that's going to bring us into everything else. Uh, So that concludes our first First dip into the waters of Akatar. Again, we really loved this book. We brought us all together. It eventually led to the group chat that brought us to this podcast, which is how we are here today for you guys. Um, so we are happy. So many of you guys have called for us to be like, do Akatar, do Akatar, which we were like, we 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 knew we would. We needed the the right time and space to come back to it. And it's going to be the segue into Crescent City. Yeah, and probably Throne of Glass, too, because all of these great 
literary classics, I'm calling them, uh, from SJM are a lot of the books that we all talk and learn about and go back to a bunch of times. You know, there's still scenes in Throne of Glass that I'm just like, oh, God, heartbreaking. The 13? Uh, Ugh. Ugh. Like, yeah. Since you guys were, I was like, I'm still not over this. Where is my wife? <sighs> Can't. You do not yield? I am Celine, oh la la la, and not I will. Yield. Yeah. Uh, I, so, so great. Avi, I love. So, so great. Um, so, we love the books in the series. We can't wait to dive into more. Speaking of more and more, <laughs> we'll be back with the next book, A Court of Mist and Fury. And we'll be continuing on our Akatar series. So, we hope you guys are along for us. Of course, you can always drop into our DMs, tell us your thoughts and feelings on anything we said, um, or even give us some more unhinged theories. There's like a whole different bunch of questions I've got to throw at these two. So we'll see if you've got a new one to add to the mix. Um, you can DM us on booktalkmeetme underscore pod. And we always, always appreciate you guys leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, even if you're just listening. Um, we see you on both platforms, friends. And we really appreciate yes, you. I remember I wanted to make a plea for a review on Apple or iTunes because now anytime I go and check reviews, I still see the review from Lex22124 <laughs> where she's blasting me. But with love. And it would be nice. With love. It would be nice if I could just see another one. So please, anyone who loves us. Someone help Hilda out Lex, because it's really I really hope you're still here, girl. <laughs> please leave you, us. You leave a follow-up. I don't hate you, Lex. I don't, but I just I, I need some positive reinforcement. Totally need some love too. So again, so anyone, please, <laughs> please head over to Apple Podcasts. It helps drive us in the rankings and helps us reach more friends like you guys who help support us throughout all of our book endeavors that we go through. So from us tonight, that's it. And we'll catch you guys next time when we dive into Mist and Fury. Bye.